there's this fear of this rejection, or mm-hmm. I'm going to be judged if I don't do it. And I go, so what? You're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. And you're allowed to fail. Absolutely. Please fail. Go fail as fast as humanly possible and over and over again so that you can get beyond it. You cannot pave the road to Oprah without failure. Oh, write that down. That's the pull quote, my friend. You cannot pave the road to Oprah without failure. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the powerhouse, Amanda Wagner. Amanda Wagner is a fiercely ambitious speaker and business strategist for entrepreneurs and leaders who are hungry for achievement and ready to get off the sidelines and claim their spotlight. With a master's in educational psychology from the University of Alberta, Amanda eats, sleeps, and breathes, leading and teaching. She helps her audiences learn to ask for more of what they want, take the stage as leaders in their industry, and realize that ambition doesn't have to be a dirty little secret. Like her clients, Amanda is rolling out her own red carpet. The Amanda Wagner podcast is in its second year, and she's currently writing her book, Big Ambition. She also has her sights set on a TED Talk. The Amanda Wagner, welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. Listen, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? This week, small business owners need to focus on showing up and showing off. Oh, I know it's juicy. Too often we get stuck in the show up phase. We're like, I showed up. That's good enough. I showed up. I'm doing it. I'm like, yeah, but what about the stuff you're really good at? Don't you want to show it off? If you want to be known for something, showing up isn't good enough. It's time to take the stage. Mm, I love that word known because I think it means a lot of different things to different people. Right. Like I, for one, have always shied away from the idea of being famous. And I'll straight up tell you, like, even when I was actively pursuing acting, I was like, I don't want to be famous, but I do want to be known in that I want people to associate my name and face with the value I provide. How do you define what it is to be known, Amanda? To be known, the scale is really irrelevant. You might want to be known in your community. You might want to be known in your city. You might want to be known internationally. I want to be at the scale of Oprah. So my version of fame is really freaking big. Not everybody has that. But I bring it down to the gravestone question. I'm like, what do you want your gravestone to read? If you're known for one or two things, what are those things? Because I have said, I do not want my gravestone to read wife and mother. And yes, those are important titles to very many people, and that does not make them less valuable. But for me, I want that to say I changed the world. I love that. I absolutely love that. I think that's so funny that that came up 
in conversation now because I was on a podcast that came out like two weeks before we were recording this. And I was laughing so hard. And I told the host, please put that on my tombstone. The yeah. name of the episode that you put out was Annie P. Ruggles Can Save You From Yourself. And I was like, will you please put on my tombstone, Annie P. Ruggles could have saved you from yourself. <laughs> but notice that the first thing you jump to isn't Annie P. Ruggles was a wife and lived here. Right. That's not the most important piece of your identity. So when I work with people, that first question is, what do you want to be known for? How do you want to be remembered? Even in a Zoom room of strangers, I will say, mm-hmm. you are with five people right now. If they have to remember one thing about you, what is it? And I get fascinating answers. And it stumps people because we're not used to being allowed to think that big. Ooh. My cat got excited by that answer. I don't know if the listeners could hear that, but Warby really loved that answer. But it's so interesting and profound to me to think about legacy and memory and things lasting, whether it's in my own family's narratives or beyond that, or, you know, I write a book that winds up somewhere. It's it's so amazing to even think about that, because when you say that we don't dream that big, I certainly don't. I am mired in the day-to-day of running this business, and I love this business dearly, and I'm absolutely in my zone, and, and everything that I get to do for this job, other than, like, accounting, is pretty much a gift. But I still, even with all that enthusiasm behind it, I don't think that much about what I'm building to last. And I hear that often, and I think the word legacy historically is something we think about with like our grandmother's stories or like we think about legacy when we're 90 years old or when the question comes up, if your house burned down, what would you grab from your home? Everyone's saying, oh, I grab my photo albums. I grab my stories. But I also think there's something big in terms of who are we as people? What if we gave ourselves permission to think really big and didn't have to shy away from that? Because one of the things I talk about most often and is the working title of a book I'm writing is Big Ambition, capital B, Mm. capital A Ambition. And typically, I feel like in the world, you're not allowed to say you want something really big until it's happened. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I earned this. I feel great. Like Exactly. When it happens, we're fascinated by the backstory. Right. When I'm trying to think of pop culture references naturally, but when Emma Stone is a big deal, we all want to know about her upbringing. How long has she been wanting to do this for? Mm -hmm. But none of us could really care that much when she was still on the up. Right. And I'm saying I care when I'm on the up. I don't want to be one of those entrepreneurs that talks about having $12 in my bank account when I'm worth 12 million. I want to talk about it now. Yeah. Why do we shy away from it? Why why are we so timid about our own ambition? I'm smiling as I'm answering this because I'm just going through a reel of all the times in my life that I've said I wanted big things. It scares the shit out of other people. We hold back because the, the first conversation that I had with a business coach that I was like, maybe this is the way I'm going to go. She asked the world's coachiest question and said, if you were to snap your fingers, where would you be in your life? And I said, I want to be the next Oprah. And she laughed at me. 
she laughed at you? Yeah, she laughed at me. Like and not so, like a, like an enthusiastic, supportive giggle. She like laughed at you. No, it was a like oh. And so benefit of the doubt, I caught her off guard. Benefit of the doubt, she's not used to people thinking this big. But it's like with this idea of showing up, we're told as kids, as adolescents, don't show off. Don't be a show off. Yeah. Don't be the center of attention that that's a bad thing. And yet the celebrities, the people that we admire, they got there because they are showing off because they have something to offer. And so I think we're so afraid of doing it because that judgment just pushes us down. and we get the, oh, someone's too big for their britches. You haven't earned that. You're a shitty millennial. (laughs) She deserves everything. No, I'm actually prepared to work really fucking hard and I still want it. Oh, we poor elder millennials. (laughs) Such a (laughs) bad rap because I do the same thing. I'm like, ugh, millennials. And then someone's like, Annie, you are a millennial. We, We are them. Yeah. Like, what? I work harder than... No, whatever. We're not going there. We love you, millennials. We love you. Work I married a, a, Gen, a Gen X. Is that what he is? I married an older man. So I feel like I get some, some street cred there. I married a younger man. So mm-hmm. I went hardcore into millennial. But, you yeah. know, it's fine. It's all good. You two enjoy your avocado toast every weekend, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of brunching. Anyway, but I, you know, this idea of showing up and being the center of attention, is it, like, I love that word that you used, judgment. Is it the fear of judgment that keeps us from taking up space? Because I hear a whole lot of people saying, I'm so scared to X. Who's more afraid, the people that we are becoming or the people that might get affected by who we are coming? Great question. I I feel like we're stuck in this crux of you're not allowed to want big things until you get there. Then when you get there, other people are saying, oh, I championed them. I cheered them on. I always knew they'd do great things. But when they're in the messy middle part of it, All of a sudden we lose credibility. And I think people want us to stay safe. I think we ourselves want to stay safe because when you put yourself out there and I realize that I am in a a very public forum saying, I want to be at the scale of Oprah. I say this on my podcast all the time. It makes people uncomfortable and it sets up this, but what if I don't do it? I, I imagine 16 year olds, they go to get their license And you tell all your friends and then you fail your driver's test. Oh, yeah. Right? There's this fear of this rejection or Mm -hmm. I'm going to be judged if I don't do it. And I go, so what? You're allowed to change your mind. Yeah, and you're allowed to fail. Absolutely. Please fail. Go fail as fast as humanly possible and over and over again so that you can get beyond it. You cannot pave the road to Oprah without failure. Oh, write that down. That's the pull quote, my friend. You cannot pave the road to Oprah without failure. And, 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 and you also cannot follow somebody else's path. If there was an Oprah manual or a Brene Brown manual, a Marie Forleo manual, Mel Robbins, all these brilliant thought leaders, I would just take that book and go, I'm going to do what she did. But guess what? That's not me. And it's not going to work the same for everyone. So it's time for us to make our own manuals. And Oprah's manual would be filled with a lot of really fucked up shit. Like Oprah has had a really tough go 
Oh, yeah. Like to get to where she is. She came from like the worst possible settings. If Oprah had a manual, it would start with like the Jane Eyre equivalent of Lowood School. Like it would (laughs) suck. That's a 2000 page manual. Yeah. Ew. A 2000 page manual of like getting through the worst of what life has to offer. Like, no, thank you. You got to chart your own path because I don't think Oprah would want you to have to go through all those things. Exactly. Nor do I want Oprah's exact life. And that's why I'm really specific when I say I want I don't want to be Oprah. I want to be at the scale of Oprah, which means I want to talk to audiences of 30,000 people. I want to have a wing in my home dedicated to my best friend. I want to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about because I have earned enough clout, enough credibility. People believe in what I am saying and I use it to positively impact the lives of others. Not because I'm a show-offy little princess who wants to say, look at my dress, look at my dress. Yes, my dress will be gorgeous and I have good shit to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's... (sighs) It's just so interesting because one of the things I think about, and Oprah is not the pop culture topic of the day, everybody. We will get there. (laughs) We will get there. But I just think like when you say, you know, I want to have an audience of 30,000 people, what the first thing that comes to my mind is, or 30 million people even, Uh like what comes to my mind immediately is that requires so much trust in you. And I don't know how you could possibly get that trust without getting loud about your value, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's literally no like trust on a global scale. A hundred percent. Yep. <sighs> mm-hmm. So it's let me flip scary. this though on you. How Go. do we take incremental steps every day toward whatever level of known we want? Because I I totally hear you that so many of us, including me, mm-hmm. are not dreaming big enough, not by a long shot. But how do we rectify that big dream with everyday action? We start asking for what we want. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the hardest part of asking is knowing what you want. So I use the language, don't ask, don't get all the time or D-A-D-G. I have a print. You do. On my it's wall. one of the first things that I ever heard you say. And I was like, as someone who teaches people that if they don't ask, their businesses will die. I love this chick. Exactly. So I believe that the hardest part of asking isn't getting the guts to ask. The hardest part is knowing what you want. So I recommend that people keep a, a list, a tally, something next to their bed or their desk. And they think, oh, I want that. Write it down. Once you know what you want, we can figure out how do we ask for it? How do I need to be more visible? Annie, how did I get on this podcast? You asked. Yep. I asked the question. Yeah. You said, hey, I want to do a, spoiler alert, drag race episode of your podcast. And I said, hell yes. Because you asked and you got. And I would have gotten around to asking you eventually. But guess what? You didn't wait for me to ask you to be on the show. You did ask very much. I use this language in, I have a program called Claim Your Spotlight and I host free workshops called Claim Your Spotlight. And I lead people through my 15 year old brain when I'm learning to drive, I'm in the car with my dad and I'm signaling, I'm on a busy uh, highway, signaling, signaling, looking over my shoulder, shoulder checking. And finally my dad says to me, 
what are you waiting for? An invitation? Oh. And I use this language and I say, how long are you going to wait for this invitation? Because as much as I want to believe that Oprah is going to phone me right now, or RuPaul is going to show up at my door, or Mel Robbins is going to say, Amanda, I've got this great platform. Come speak with me. I think I'm going to be waiting a long time. And I don't want to wait to be discovered. And so when I work with other small business owners, I'm like, you can wait. But how are you going to feel if a year from now, five years from now, we're having the same conversation and you've waited again? Hmm. Does opportunity just happen? It doesn't, right? We have to go out and create it, truly, because I know I've felt in my nine billion years of business that I've been accidentally resentful of when I see opportunity, big air quotes, land in the lap, even bigger air quotes mm-hmm. of people that I know. But I think that was jealousy blinding me from the fact that they made that opportunity by being visible and vocal, right? Yes. And shameless plug here, episode 11 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, <laughs> we talk about professional envy. Ooh. And we talk, I see what somebody else has and I go, why does she have it? And I don't. And I go through all the reasons that I'm not up there. Why is she on stage? She's prettier than I am. She's skinnier than I am. She has more degrees than I am. She knows the right people. The only reason she's up there and I'm not is because she's doing it. And I'm still thinking about it. She asked for the opportunity and I'm still here trying to craft the perfect email. Oh, doesn't that that hit anybody else in the solar plexus? She's doing it. And I'm still writing the email. I'm still ah, thinking. Ah, write that down. There's a second point. I refuse. I refuse to look at one more person on a stage and go, she must have something that I don't know. No, she fucking asked for it. This opportunity did not just fall in her lap. And there's a lot of language in the, the coaching consulting world, the human world, if you will, of compare and despair. We compare ourselves and we get sad and we get disappointed and we're down on ourselves. And I've been there. I've done that. I still do it sometimes, but I'm on team compare and declare. If you have it and I want it, I am going to find my way to get it. It is going on my list of things I want. Oh my God. Compare and declare. I need that on a t-shirt. I need that on a tote bag. I need that on a sign for this year off this wall. Compare will be the next and phrase. declare. Yeah. You have it. I want it. I will get it. For me, a lot of times when I'm working with clients, they have a really hard time answering the question, what do you do better than your competitors? And so for them, I have to start with, well, what do you do differently and why does that matter? But I am so excited by the idea that once you figure out what you do differently and why that is better, then get out there and freaking shout it, man. I'm always telling people, whatever your competitive advantage is needs to be on your tongue at all freaking times. But I have never heard that put so eloquently as compare and declare. Thank you. I'm going to take that baby to the bank. It feels good, hey? Oh, it feels really good. Right. And when you're looking for your competitive advantage, it sounds very like, let's do a SWOT analysis. Let's do a <laughs> matrix. And yes, we can do that. But in order to figure out how you're better, you have to figure out how you're different. And most people, I think, are better and different when they become more assertive and they become more comfortable saying, yes, this is what I stand for. And it might mean some people don't like you. 
It might mean that you piss some people off. Guess what? You probably don't want those people anyway. Yeah. My Instagram bio says no fluffpreneurs here. If that bothers you, you're probably not going to love my space. That's okay. If that I don't want to be for everybody anyway. Fluffy. And that's okay. If fluff is your thing. Fluff as much as you would like, but this is, this just might not be the community that lights you up and excites you. Oh, I love that. I mean, one of the best things that I did in the weirdness of 2020 is I created a visual bio for myself and it's a Venn diagram and there's Ooh, a picture of yeah. me in the middle and on the top it says creator of the non-sleazy sales method. On the mm-hmm. left, it says speaker, author, podcaster, whatever. But on the right, it says soul of a Muppet. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how that one choice that I made to just own that and be goofy about that has Mm -hmm. been so magnificently polarizing for me because they're not going to listen to this show if they see my Muppet ass and they're like, whoa, she's ranty. I don't want to hear her. Okay, then fine. Then bye. But I also have had people that are like, soul of a Muppet. I got to know you. They haven't even met me. Tell me more. And who doesn't want more clients that say, I'm in, tell me more, take my money because there's something that you say or something that you did that connects with people. And I imagine you get to do your best work with the people who do respond well to that. Yeah. And you know what? It's those people whose rejection hurts anyway. Not that all rejection doesn't suck. It does. But like, like, I this is the new famous story of of my new life as a podcast guest and podcast host. I was on a video podcast and I had a cold and I was trying really hard not to sniff. But what happened was I kept touching my nose and I wasn't even really noticing it. But I wound up looking like Donald Trump Jr. Like I looked very nose specific. And so, of course, some troll on YouTube was like, that girl's on I was just going to say. And I was like, oh boy, my energy plus touching my nose does look awfully Coke-like. And did that sting? Of course mm-hmm. it did. But do mm-hmm. I? did I know that I wasn't on Coke? Of course I did. Did I know that this is just my natural exuberance and that I also had a cold that day? Yeah, but also at the end of the day, am I going to put more emphasis on that girl's clearly on Coke or the comment right below them that was like, this is one of the best interviews I've ever freaking heard about sales. I get to choose what weight I put on that rejection too. Right. Right. Which feedback am I actually going to take in and adjust the way I do things or give it a second thought? Right. I've had nasty feedback too. I've had people recommend therapists to me. That's a fascinating one. Like, here are some mental health resources for you. What? Assist. You're ego driven. I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. I have a therapist. Her name's Meg. She's great. Hi, Meg. And this might not be the place for you. And that is a okay because I am not here to win over people who aren't into me. Yes, I want to be liked by everyone. And yet I am not letting that slow me down. I am not for everyone. This is good news. You know, I love before we transition, I just really want to touch on this, which is in our industry, which is the coachy human space, as you would Mm -hmm. call it, which I love. 
Uh, I love all of your terms, always, as Thanks. a general rule, because they're all freaking brilliant. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Like, I have been told, because my program is called Sales for Empaths, that the word empath is really overused or misunderstood. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to okay. talk about another word you said, which is that people think if you have ambition and you want to fill big britches, that you're uh-huh. automatically a narcissist. A hundred percent. Yes. Ambitious. 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 (laughs) (laughs) That just slipped out. Ambitious people are cutthroat. We are bitchy. We are too loud. We are too intense. We want it all. We're not empathetic. We don't care. We'll do anything. Bullshit. Ambitious people get shit done. And I am on a mission to tell people and to invite people in and say, your ambition does not have to be a dirty little secret. Mm. You do not have to be afraid of sharing that you want big things. And in my space, I encourage that. I say, give me the scary thing that you want that you are too afraid to tell somebody else. Mm. And the beautiful things that come out of these people's mouths. I have a photographer who says, I want to have a gallery show in New York City. I've never said that out loud. I want to photograph uh, Harry and Meghan Markle because look at the photograph that they have now. And that is not a good maternity photo. I can do better. I love that you also just turned Harry's name into Harry Markle, which is should be. There you go. It's a great last name. Take it. I mean, his grandma's on your money, not my money. So I'm going to defer to you, but... <laughs> Fair enough. No, but I love that because, I mean, I'm always trying to convince people that selling, if done beautifully, benefits both parties. Ego and ambition, if done beautifully, you don't think Oprah benefits people? You don't think Oprah got called a narcissist? Like, of course she did and does. And and Oprah fucks up, too. Oprah has made mistakes. And... We don't necessarily love her less or think less of her. We're, we're still curious. We're still holding on. And Annie, in a, in a past life, I was, I was a teacher. I was in sales. So I eat, sleep, and breathe sales. And selling and service are inseparable. The best yeah. thing I've ever heard about sales, I'm sure you've heard it too, from uh, Brian Tracy's book, The Psychology of Selling. Mm-hmm. Sales is a transfer of enthusiasm. I'm so enthusiastic about that book. It gives me goosebumps. And so for people who are like, oh, I'm afraid of this. I'm nervous about it. I'm like, if I am freaking excited, I could sell you this cup right now Mm -hmm. because that's what it is. So it's getting past this fear of if I'm a salesperson, I'm somehow sleazy and dirty and gross and only doing it for me. Not true. If you're ambitious, you have an ego and you are a narcissist and you don't care about other people, bullshit. Would you be willing to retitle Big Ambition, Ambitches? No, but here's why. (laughs) Because there is somebody on the internet, I'm a big stickler for giving credit. Mm -hmm. And there is an ambitious Instagram account. There is some person. So it is taken. Um. But I am not against the term that said, I'm very much on team. You don't have to be a bitch to be ambitious. True facts. All right. Perfect segue, though. Let's talk about the most incredible gaggle of bitches to ever grace the television 
screen or the laptop screen or whatever you're watching it on. Amanda, start your engines. Let's talk about Drag Race. What does oh. any of this have to do with Mama Ru and her beautiful babies? Oh, my goodness. I just, my heart is so very full right now. What does RuPaul's Drag Race have to do with entrepreneurship? Three things. I wrote them down. I was so excited about this. Every time I watch this show, I'm like, this sounds like my life. And I'm very opinionated when it comes to RuPaul's Drag Race. Ru, Michelle, if you're listening, love you, mean it. Uh, Ross, you're my favorite. Bossy Rossi. All right. Reason number one. RuPaul's Drag Race is the Olympics of drag. Yeah. And I encourage my clients and the people that I work with to figure out what are the Olympics that you are competing in? These queens are not trying to be everything for everybody. They are saying, I am here in the Olympics of drag. This is the arena that I am competing in. And when we think about the Olympics, the actual Olympics, Olympians don't compete in all events. They train, they rest, they prepare, they practice for a series of events. You aren't seeing swimmers also do speed skating, also do. That would be weird and exhausting. Right. And yet so many entrepreneurs are going, I have to do this and this and this and this and this in order to be known, in order to build my brand. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big advocate of the principles of essentialism. Greg McEwen here, do less but better. Yeah. I wrote a big, long, no word of a lie, 1200 word email to somebody that is in my circle. Uh, She is a beautifully well-known photographer and does incredible work. And she wrote an email to her email list and said, I'm frustrated that my art isn't getting noticed. I'm not getting enough likes. I'm not getting enough comments on Instagram. And she opened it up and said, tell me what you think. Reply to this email. If, if you have something to say. So I offered solicited feedback mm-hmm. and I, I said two things. Number one, Instagram is not your Olympics. You are Ooh. in the Olympics of creating beautiful imagery for women who deserve to feel empowered. So why the hell are you trying to compete mm-hmm. to get the most Instagram likes? I freaking love that question, what's your Olympics and what's not your Olympics? Because for me, and when we're talking about Drag Race, mm-hmm. we are very proudly a Bend de Creme household. And let's talk about not your Olympics. Dela chose, actually Ben chose, Ben chose that the most recent thing that Ben did in that franchise was not Ben's Olympics. Dela was like, I'm out. I walk away. Not the tone I want. This is not the competition I want. This is not the atmosphere I want. I'm out. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, bite the hand that feeds you, Dela. Meh, 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 meh. And I remember being like, no, I'm going to use female pronouns for this so it's easier to not just be like all over names. Mm-hmm. But like, good for you, bitch. Good mm-hmm. for you for knowing, again, the question I didn't know how to phrase that you phrased perfectly. That was not Dela's Olympics. And she walked when she was winning. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. chose it. And so while I am not a big fan of the Ginny Lemon exit in UK, I, I stand for Dela here. It was not her Olympics. This not is not the Olympics. game I want to play. So let me do what I want. Well, and she didn't need to prove herself anymore. To your point, she was winning. Yeah. And the thing is, 
if you're winning at a game that isn't the right game, do you still want to win it? Why are you even playing the game? Right? Like, I love that we've had, like, Oprah, and now we're talking about the Olympics, and now we're talking about Drag Race. But for me, what just came up is that idea of, like, what competition do you want to win? And for me, that comes up on Cobra Kai, which we covered a couple of episodes here on this show. But but he says, Johnny Lawrence says to his two stars who just were total assholes in the tournament, he asks uh, the girl in Cobra Kai... What if if do you want to be a lion who kills another lion or do you want to be a lion that kills a wounded monkey? And mm-hmm. she's like, I want to be the lion that kills a lion. And he's like, yes, you beat your opponent at their best, not at their worst. And so that, again, is what competition are you actually in? Right. But you're totally right, because other than being the Olympics of drag and other than being this this show of essentialism of talents all combined. Drag Race is not a show where you are allowed to blend, even with yourself. You're not allowed to rest on pretty. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to do the same shtick over and over and over and over. That's why people didn't think Sharon Needles would go as far as she did. Or Jinx Monsoon. Or Jinx Monsoon, because they're like, this is a one-trick pony. And then, you know, they're like, oh, am I? Watch this. No, I'm not. I can do glam. I can do things other than horror. Right? But it's like, okay, underestimate me. See how that goes. Right? Exactly. Just watch me and flip the table. Mm-hmm. Watch me. In this same email to this person, again, who I respect and admire and have worked with and will continue to work with, I also quoted a random person who was in a Tim Hortons coffee lineup, Canada Proud. Um, not a big Tim Hortons fan. It doesn't matter, but it's a Canadian but thing. But I, I own that Tim Hortons is a central part of the Canadian like, milieu. Yes. Yeah, the milieu. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there was somebody complaining in a Tim Hortons lineup but how long the wait was. And this random person said to the other stranger, it gets easier when you realize you're here by choice. And I think of this all the time because I said to this photographer, Instagram gets easier when you realize you're here by choice. This free app owes you nothing. You are competing in a different Olympic event. Put your energy there. So it's freaking gorgeous that the Olympics of drag, you are here by choice, but yeah. Okay. The Olympics of drag go tell me. Okay. So that, so thing number one is the Olympics of drag. They are competing in their Olympics. What is your Olympic event and how are you putting your time and your energy into that and looking at all the other events that are great and that are pretty and that get attention and saying, good, thanks. Good for you. Not for me. Oh, oh, pearls out the mouth. I'm flipping out. Number two. Oh my God. We're not even on number two and I'm already. No, I know this is going to be a long episode. Sorry. I don't care. I'm like loving this. I am strapped in. I am (laughs) all in and I, I wish I had popcorn. Number two. (laughs) Number two. If you don't love somebody, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Amen. 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 You could get an amen on that line forever. Right. You don't have to love everything you do in your business. You don't love accounting. I also don't love bookkeeping. I really hate my inbox at this exact moment. And yet I have to tend to it. I give love and time and attention to my customers, to my clients. And yet 
I need to make my business my VIP client. If I do not love my business, it is really hard for me to love and support what other people are doing. Also, if you don't love and support your business, how in the hell is your business going to love and support you? And if you don't love yourself, how are you going to pour love into the business? There's the ruse cycle for small business owners. Bitches have to get paid. Bitches have to get paid. I'm not here for fun. This isn't a hobby. This is a business. start referring to ourselves as the Michelle Visages of entrepreneurship. What do you say? Oh my God. I'm working on my gray streak. Glasses and red lipstick are my... I have my, you have your glasses and your lipstick, but I have the streak. So together. Oh, I call them my sparkles. I love my gray hair. With our forces combined, we're like, oh yeah, all the way there. Oh yeah. And I think we, I think we might also have the, the pre-surgery Michelle uh, robustness. Oh, we do. Oh, oh, we do. We have that. Mm -hmm. We do. We have that natural robustness. Yes. We do. (laughs) Are you ready for reason? Right, though. I'm still stuck on number two. I know, right? If you don't love your own business, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else's? This business is not going to love me back. I need to take care of it. I need to make sure that I tend to it. Because the hardest thing for me is that if I spend all the time in the world supporting other people's businesses, help them build their dreams, help them get on the stages, the platforms they want and claim their own spotlight. And I'm sitting back here on the sidelines. That's where resentment comes in. Yep, exactly. And that's something I brought up a lot on this show is that accidental resentment. Like you brought up professional envy before, which is so painful. Oh, Mm. man. But the other one is that giving, 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 giving. I call it the giving tree resentment, where at the end of it, the giving tree is just a freaking stump. Oh, that's beautiful writing that down. Right? The giving tree resentment, where it's like, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give. And at the end, I'm supposed to be happy for the person that took all of me because I freely gave all of me. But what happens instead is that little boy grows up on his little canoe that he uses one time and I get dug up because I'm a freaking stump. And that sucks when you realize that you've been so self-sacrificial to the point where... Now, the person that you love is the person that you envy. Ew. And that's all right, because I'm not investing that love in me. I'm only doling it out to everybody else's dream, everybody else's business, instead of doing what we talked about at the very beginning, which is claiming your spotlight and showing off. In the hustle and grind culture of entrepreneurship, which if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm rolling my eyes at it. There's this sense of martyrdom. Here, I'll gag so they get it. There you go. There you go. There's there's an idea that you have to be a martyr. You have to be self-sacrificial and just give all of yourself away. And Tom Waits quote here, get off the cross. We could use the wood. <laughs> I love that. I love my book is called The Martyrdom of Overmarketing. So now you're Ooh. really singing my language. Although my language is martyrdom. Weird. Interesting. Uh, let's just say my language is Tom Waits. Fine. Okay. Yes. There you go. I like yeah, it. We could really use the wood. We could use the wood. Your Instead clients could of, use the wood, but you could also use that wood for yourself. There you go. Right. It's it, let's ha- work with purpose and intention and not just give and give and give. And then yes, our tree of resentment, that shit is burned to the ground. You got nothing left and we are cranky about it. Yes. We're cranky to the point of being heartbroken about it. 
Correct. We're cranky yeah. to the point of being like, ah, my life is in shambles about it. Right? <laughs> For example. <laughs> right? I mean, we've all been there. <sighs> Are you ready for reason number three? Yes. I have taken a deep breath. I have composed myself and I am ready for number three. The biggest piss off for me oh. when a queen is kicked off of RuPaul's Drag Race, she says, but I have so much more to show. Bitch, why did you hoard your best look? You thought you'd make it to the top three, so you're not going to show off until you get there? There is this idea around hoarding our best mm. ideas. We get so close to our chest and we wait for someday. And I don't mean this in a like, you could die tomorrow. Life is short way. That is not what I mean it. What I mean to say is that we have so much fear that somebody is going to take our best idea or that there won't be, we won't have the pomp and circumstance for the perfect look. And I'm going, it's time to pull out the perfect look. Why are you saving your best garments for the final runway if you don't know if you're going to get there? Again, that's why showing up is not enough. Mm. It is time to show off. I have and, so much more to show. How sad now. I never thought about how sad that is. Because oh, it breaks you my had heart. The chance. You had episode one. You had every single episode to give your best self and you chose to wait. And now your reputation is based on that first runway look or based on that first challenge when you didn't go for it. This is the Olympics of drag. Show me your best look every single week. Yeah. Bring it or go home or sashay right. away. If you're not going to bring away. your best, then sashay away. I love my number four that I just came yes. up with when you were like the thing that really makes you upset when people get voted off. Yes. Here's my number four. Yeah. We are telling you, we are telling you listeners, both Amanda and I are telling you that you need to fail faster, harder, better, and all of those things. However, rule number four of drag race, when you fail, don't be a pissy bitch about it and write nasties on the mirror. Yes. Don't write nasties on the mirror. You can yeah. feel wronged. You can feel disappointed in yourself, but you do not get on to all stars by writing mean nasties to your mm -hmm. competitors. You got to keep that shit classy. Or in the case of Miss Roxy Andrews, you do make a big stink. You get back for all stars and then you come back with your tail between your legs about what a bitch you were to other people. Mm -hmm. That's not the way to win. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nope. If you're going to be a bitch, be a bitch. If you're going to yeah. be ambitious, be <laughs> ambitious. What also ties in here, yes. and this is kind of my last thought on the being kicked off and saying, I have so much more to show. I think that in the world we live in right now, we could do to add some rigor on giving credit to where our ideas come from. In episode 32 of my podcast, the Amanda Wagner podcast, shameless plug, we talk about hoarding ideas and why our good ideas need to be shared and why we have to give credit. Because one of the big reasons that I have held back on sharing things is because I go, it's not good enough yet. It's not perfect. I have to wait till it's totally polished. Oh yeah. And then I can share it. I also live in fear that if I don't if I share something before it's polished, someone else is going to take it and make it perfect and it won't be mine anymore. But that's where there's this sense of academic integrity that I want to bring into 
the Instagram world, the entrepreneurship and coaching world, where I don't take an image and credit Pinterest. I credit the artist who created it. The same goes for ideas. So I Mm. want us to be in a space where we are allowed to share and allowed to talk about big things without this fear that it's going to be stolen. Because I don't want these brilliant ideas to die with us, just like I don't want these brilliant looks to be packed up in suitcases before we even get to see them on the runway. But what a gorgeous challenge you just threw down, which is own your spotlight with attribution. 100%. Right? We all have, and drag race is a perfect, and drag actually, not even drag race. Drag is in houses. Drag is a family-based, generational, ancestral passed down, although it's chosen family more than natural family most of the time. Mm -hmm. But it's still something that you've inherited, something you've perfected from those who went before you. And you, your last name often for Queens, is the name of that house. Everybody watch Paris is Burning. You need to anyway. It's incredible. But I think, you know, that is a beautiful way of giving attribution. Musicians do this all the time. They'll say, my main influences are so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. The person that references it, unless they ripped off their melody totally and they're going to sue them, is normally like, oh, wow, I I influenced Kelly Clarkson. I inspired this person. Who doesn't want to be told that they've inspired something? Right, but then it even more, it puts, when you give your attributions, it puts you in context. Right. You saying you want to be on the level of Oprah to your point before doesn't mean that you want to replace Oprah. It doesn't mean I want a talk show, Mm -mm. but it it means means that you have been your nature of what you've won and your idea of what's possible has been changed by Oprah. So when you say you want to be on the level of Oprah, that's you attributing part of your definition of success to Oprah. Awesome. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I want to I want to add some some credibility and there are so many people with beautiful ideas and I don't want them to be hidden for too long. Mm. I, ju- I just don't want us to have these ideas and I think about this with my own TED talk which again I am not on the TED stage. One day yeah. I will, I yet exactly. I have I have the talk. I've been marinating on it for months. And I always hold back and I go, do I tell people? Do I not tell people? If I tell someone, will they copy my idea and write the talk and get on the TED stage? Maybe, but I don't want to hold this idea forever for <laughs> as I do it right now. The eventual <laughs> TED talk, I want to talk about the myth of making it, how I don't Ooh! think it's a thing. Don't steal that, y'all. Don't steal it. The Michelle Visages of entrepreneurship will hunt you down. (laughs) Do it. Yes. I absolutely adore that. I feel like you and I could talk about this for a bajillion years. Correct. But I do have two more questions for you. And one is perfectly based on that TED Talk example that you just gave, that goal that you just gave. Mm -hmm. Somehow, the technology, education, and design X or non-X team has thrown out their submission process for the finals for TED. And instead they have decided everyone on this runway is deserving of being on the TED stage. However, we got to whittle it down. And they look at you and they say, Amanda, you got a lip sync for your life. Oh. What? 
song are you praying to Mama Ru will play? This is a hell of a question. I'm pulling up a playlist for this one. So I'm like, Into what it. gets me jacked? We'll put it in the we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put the playlist in the show notes. It is titled Sweet Hog Rides for when I ride my cute little cruiser bike. I call it my hog, even though it's like the most millennial thing. (laughs) Okay. Top three. I am dreaming for Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. Mm. Lady Gaga's Edge of Glory. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. This is really hard. Bruce Springsteen. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. But what boss? What what the I know. I'm looking. I'm looking. What is the song? I think you, I mean, I think you have to do that one just based on the fact that everyone would be delighted by the uniqueness. Yeah. <laughs> the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent just of you covering part. the boss. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, I have to find it. It was, it's like I'm embarrassed. Our entire wedding playlist is basically Bruce Springsteen. Oh, Burning Love by Elvis Presley. Working on the highway, Bruce Springsteen. All right. You got to pick one, though. Oh, man. You go in Gaga. You go in Tasteway. You go in Presley. Or you go in Boss. I think I'm going with the Boss. Because you know what? I let me Let me pull the curtain back a little bit. One piece of the TED Talk is, if making it was real. If making it was a thing, Bruce Springsteen would have quit in 1975 when Born to Run, Run was released. Mm, he mm. fucking made it. Oh, my God. Beyonce would have quit with Destiny's Child. She made it. She had the money. She had the status. She had the fame. She could have quit. Bruce could have quit. And yet the boss, who is looking amazing for his 60-something years and is still creating incredible music. Bruce and I did... Lock eyes and shake hands once at a concert. Incredible. And that moment is just so in me. And when I brought this up, I was doing a, a speaking engagement about a year ago. The woman who owned the space, she played Born to Run when I was leaving the stage. And I left and I just wept. Yes! Well, now we know. That's so your that's Ted the theme one. music. Going full Springsteen. Yeah. The Amanda Wagner. When... My listeners are just clamoring to reach out to you because they want so much of what you're serving out in terms of this badass, kick-ass, spotlight-taking, value-giving, bring-other-people-along-for-the-ride gorgeousness. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for them to start a conversation with you? Number one, know that I'm a real human and respond to conversations. Send me an Instagram DM. Yes, you can go through my website. Yes, you can send me an email, but Instagram is going to be the fastest way to get a hold of me. Bonus points. Tell me your favorite piece of this episode. Why are you contacting me? What sticks out? Give me some value. I'll give it right back. And I want to hear what is it that makes you excited about this? So yes, follow me, but send me a message and say, oh, you said this thing and I can't stop thinking about it. If you need some more ammunition for things to think about and you want to hear more about what big ambition means, I have a podcast called the Amanda Wagner podcast. Listen to episode 30 and then come my way and tell me, why are you the most ambitious person you know? What is it Mm. that makes you want to be in this audience? I will respond 
and get in my Zoom room. I have Claim Your Spotlight workshops a couple times a month. It is free. Show up and I will help you show off. Mm. Y'all, do not sleep on that beautiful, beautiful request. Do not sleep on it. Amanda, my love, it has been incredible having you here. Goddamn delight, Annie. I will be back, everybody, in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week right on the other side of the majestic waters of Darien Lake. Beautifully sad. Right? Although Darien Lake, oh God, we could do that forever. Well, hey there, listeners. I feel like there is an endless font of inspiration attached to Drag Race. We could talk about Mama Ru and her empire, about RuPaul Andre Charles and how he carved out a legacy for himself, or any of the racers, really. Even Shangela is inspiring in the right lens. But instead, I'm fixated on Ru's special recipe, the four qualities that make a phenomenal drag queen. Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Yes, it's also an acronym for a very polarizing word for lady parts, but damn if it isn't a perfect combination for entrepreneurship. Charisma, the magnetism and trustworthiness it takes to draw someone in. Uniqueness, your very own corner of the market, your voice, your style. Nerve, the tenacity to keep getting on this damn self-employment roller coaster every day and to do hard things with grace and enthusiasm. And talent, the gifts we have and our ability to share them with others. I wanted to zero in on nerve. Charisma, uniqueness, and talent are muscles that can be strengthened, sure, but many believe that you've either got it or you don't. And if you're listening to this, I'm going to assume you do. But nerve is tricky. Nerve requires gumption and bravery and a fair amount of fuck it, let's see what happens energy. Your homework this week is to do that thing, you know what thing, that you've been procrastinating because of fear. That fear may be feeding on a perceived lack of clarity, resources, support, or something as simple as that pimple on your chin. But pay it no mind. This week, you're unstoppable as long as you just keep getting shit done. That lurking task hasn't left your to-do list for a reason. It's important to you. This is the week you crush it so you can sashay away into easier, more fabulous territory. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, Annie P. Ruggles. What if you never had to sell alone again? If you always felt safe and seen and supported in selling situations because you only had to show up as your best and also most ordinary self. You can profit just by being you without one gimmick, one inch of sleaze. To find out more about our membership, visit www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y. Too Legitimate to Quit is written and hosted by me, 
Annie Passanisi Ruggles. Our editor and producer is Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our incredible earworm of a theme tune was composed and performed by Riley Horbasio. Our beautiful show art is by Francois Vigneault. And my beautiful, wonderful, amazing creative director, Georgia Curran, handles my social media accounts with care. Listen, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your homework is going, what you think of the show, or what topics you'd love to see covered here. Feel free to reach out to me on any platform with messaging. But the best for me are LinkedIn, where you'll find me under my name, Annie P. Ruggles, or on Instagram, where you'll find me at Anniepreneur. And please don't forget to send this show to people that you think would benefit or to drop us a review wherever you listen to podcasts that really helps our show grow. Until next week, remember, you're too legit to quit.